0: Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this fine Friday evening? Um, let's just dig right in, man. I mean, we got NFC East. This will complete my NFC rundown. I've done the other four divisions yesterday. I went over the all the fifth-year contracts of the rookies, the first round. You know, from from the Winston Mariota year, all the option fifth-year options on all those guys in the first round. It's kind of a fun show. Um, and now let's just talk Cowboys. Uh, I'm Matt Williamson. You probably know that by now, but spread the word. This, this podcast has been growing, as has my website, WilliamsonFootball.com. Check me out on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. Cowboys, at 19 overall, take Leighton Van Der Esch. One of the worst kept secrets out there, give or take. Makes perfect sense. I think I would have taken DJ Moore. I mean, both were needs. The receiver need is just crazy huge though i mean uh, generally speaking it's not a great move to draft for need but everybody does i mean who are we kidding here i mean is Vander esch that much better of a prospect than more i don't know that he is i like him a lot i mean it makes it sound like i'm not a fan i like him a lot i did a lot of homework with him especially you know in my sealer coverage there was you know they were kind of hoping he'd get there and I've said this to you guys five million times, that when Sean Lee's on the field, this is a good defense. When he isn't, it's a totally different one. And maybe this helps that situation slash paves the way for Van Der Esch to eventually take over for Lee. Hitchens is gone. I don't exactly think this reflects great on Jalen Smith either, though. I mean, I know people are excited about him, and it's a great story. And by the way, I'm, I'm watching the uh, the Cowboys All or Nothing right now. It's good good stuff on Amazon Prime. Um, I've seen the other ones, too. friend of mine I went to school with, Keith Cosgrove, big into that. Uh, he works in NFL Films. He was a hot Lebanon guy here in Pittsburgh. But it's a very good show. And the one I just watched was a lot about Jalen Smith and his comeback and his brother on the team, and they're showing – the family And that's all great, but I don't know that he'll ever be the same player. I mean, he was awesome at Notre Dame. And I see very little indications to say he's on his way back. And this pick makes that even more affirmative to me. So I don't look at it like, boy, they're going to be Smith, Van Der Esch, Lee, and then Lee will move on, and Van Der Esch and Smith will be the best duo in the league. I'm not seeing it that way. But I guess I'm, I understand the pick. But boy, the need for pass catchers was gigundas. Which leads us to the 50th pick overall. They end up with Connor Williams. Most thought, and we'll get to this pick, that they would have taken Dallas Goddard, Dallas, Dallas to Dallas. It's been fun. Hey. Eh? Um, Goddard was my favorite tight end in this draft and would have made a ton of sense. Philly jumped them, and we'll get to that pick, and I loved it for Philly. But they, quote, settle for keeping a Texas guy in Texas and Connor Williams. And this time last year, people were talking about Connor Williams as a top 10 pick. And is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Is Leo Collins a tackle? Is he a guard? Those things will work itself out, especially when you have three other Hall of Famers on your offensive line. Um, So, you know, this is keeping a strength of strength. And I think Doug Free has been missed and Leary has been missed. That They've had some holes the last year or two on this great line. And Tyron Smith's injury situation was a problem last year. So, this is certainly value. A player I like a lot. I mean, what's the chances he busts? Very, very low. Michael Gallup, third rounder. Is he going to lead this team in catches this year? I mean, he's a pretty NFL-ready guy. For those of you that pay attention to pro football focus, remember Mike Renner used to come on every Wednesday. Gallup was their number one wide receiver in this entire draft. And they had some good points. I don't see him that way. I mean, he's the 81st pick overall. And I do think he's pretty NFL-ready and should come in and play a major role. And I'm pretty sure Jerry Jones already said that. I'm not sure why he would say that. To say a rookie's going to come in and be a major contributor from day one instead of making them earn it. But who knows? It's kind of an odd organization anyway. Um, But I do like this pick. I mean, I don't by any stretch think he's a number one receiver. And I expect him to struggle in his rookie year. But, fine. I mean, I think it's a good pick. Um, Doris Armstrong is a defensive end from Kansas. This may pay off really well for them. (laughs) I think he's got ability, untapped potential. Marinelli gets his hands on him. I'm not saying this is the next DeMarcus Lawrence or anything like that, but they could turn this guy into a productive every-down end. Maybe. I mean, that would not shock me if two years from now he's a starter. Eight nine sacks, playing well. Uh, I like the Dalton Schultz pick as well. That's also another fourth rounder, 137th overall. Sort of underutilized at Stanford. Didn't catch a ton of passes, but there is ability there. There's a lot of opportunity. I think Rico Gathers has a lot of ability too. But you know, th- these pass catchers are vastly unknown and very young. I think Schultz could be could pay off rather quickly. I really like Mike White, too. I thought he'd go earlier than 171 overall, fifth-rounder. Developmental quarterback. I know a lot of people are really high on Cooper Rush. Eh, Fine. Um, But even so, you know, a guy like Rush or White with a lot of good preseason tape or a spot start here or there would maybe end up getting them a third-round pick a year or two from now. You know, Dak's the man, and Dak's not going away. But drafting a developmental quarterback like Tools that White has is absolutely fine with me. I mean, I, I don't see a problem with that at all. Uh, Chris Covington from Indiana, Cedric Wilson, another receiver, and Bo Scarborough Fair from Alabama round this thing out. Uh, Wilson might contribute in a very shallow depth chart. That's a possibility. Why not grab another receiver, add him to the mix? And I think Scarborough's interesting because in 19, you know, 10 years ago. Injuries really hurt this guy. Two things hurt this guy. Injuries, going back to high school, Scarborough's had plenty of injuries. And he's a 1985 Natron means back, you know, that doesn't catch the ball. Downhill runner, but a lot of ability. You know, he was a guy a year ago, too, that you were seeing in these, you know, way too early mock drafts at the end of first round, second round type guy. Um, So there's certainly ability there. If he stays healthy, backup role, you know, maybe he makes Alfred Morris obsolete type of deal. Backup Zeke when Zeke gets suspended at any time. So 7th round pick on a pure pounder like that with ability that isn't going to get a massive workload with the new team because, you know, they have Elliott, obviously. Um, so that makes sense to me too. But again, their pass catchers are maybe the worst in the league. Giants. I'm not going to get into the whole philosophical nonsense about is it too early to draft a back at number two or in the top five or early in the first round? You believe what you believe. And I lean more towards, yes, it's worth it. And I don't think the Rams or the Jags or or the Cowboys I just brought up, I don't think any of them are disappointed with their early running back investment. Just put it that way. I think they're very safe. I also think Barkley's an utter superstar. And the key here is, I think people are underrating what a good running back he is. I mean, yeah, he might not be the most physical between tackle guy out there, but I think he can be. I don't think he's a total dancer. I don't think he's Reggie Bush. You know, some of these guys are talking about him like he's just a receiver. Like, No, dude, this guy's a total superstar. Yeah, he might bounce things a little much. But, oh, by the way, it also worked really well. And his blocking at Penn State was dreadful. Um, but he's a superstar receiver. And to me, the whole key is this, and I, I, I spell this things out for you guys a lot. If Eli comes out, they also have Red Ellison, who's like a fullback tight end type. They come out with Ellison. He's the, the least of all the evils, obviously, if you're the defense. Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, Odell. That's your five that you come out with. And you're going to play heavy personnel. Barkley is absolutely going to get detached and be on a linebacker, as will Ingram possibly. That's frightening. And Eli is very, very good mentally, before the snap, at the line of scrimmage, like Big Brother. I mean, I think he's going to orchestrate all that very, very well. So you come out with smaller personnel. Well, then let's see if Barkley can be a pounder against nickel and dimes with those same grouping of personnel. <laughs> oh, by the way, Silva Odell and Engram and Shepard, too, in the passing game. And Barkley's now going to be high, running behind Will Hernandez, the 34th pick overall. A mauling, nasty, bash-your-face, bury-you-in-the-ground, in true guard. And this is one of my favorite picks in the draft. Their line worries me, still, even with Solder and Hernandez. But the skill guys, I think in this case, and Manning's mind, should be able to make up for it more than certainly a year ago. Remember, they didn't have Beckham on last year or anything resembling Barkley. The Hernandez pick is a great one. Lorenzo Carter in the third round. Yeah, that makes sense. He's a super athlete, not a super football player. They're basically going towards more of a 3-4, and I think he'll be more of a stand-up outside linebacker, certainly more than the end, but he could play off the ball too, depending on packages. Maybe he develops into the type of guy that's an athletic, bending, you know, get low, pass rusher, explosive. He has those traits. And maybe he can guard tight ends and running backs. I mean, he has has freakish size and, you know, he's a developmental guy. But their edge pass rush is really worrisome without JPP and really just Pierre Paul right now. But their interior run defense, and then you add B.J. Hill to that mix, and Snacks is going to be your nose tackle, And I guess they'll put Tomlinson and Hill as, quote, three, four defensive ends. But running up the middle on these guys is going to be a chore. I mean, to say the least. And then you also add R.J. McIntosh in the fifth round. So they have a lot of 300-pounder types now that are pretty good players. I mean, maybe none of them are superstar pass rushers, and I do think the pass rush is going to be an issue here. And it wouldn't shock me at all if their first-round pick next year is an edge guy. You know, but... um, and then, kind of like I mentioned with Mike White, these guys took Kyle Laletta in the fourth round. I like that a lot. You know, if you're not going to go early, maybe he's just a backup. But you have Webb and you have Laletta, and they're very different types. And the last staff, the one that brought Webb in. And this guy is a accurate, smart. Everyone thought he'd be a Patriot type of deal. Um, I understand that. Um, but. Maybe Lilletta or Webb hits, or maybe they both show enough that you can trade them, or they turn into a high-end two, and maybe they're not Eli's successor, but they play a lot of snaps until you find his successor. And the key is it's a minimal cost. So those are two quarterbacks I liked a lot that went in this division. Now, these Super Bowl champions. They only had a... Well, they traded out of the first round, so they picked up a little more. They didn't have a second or third to begin this. Ended up with two fours, a six, a seven, and their second pick, which was Dallas Goddard, that I mentioned before when I talked about Dallas. Um, this team really didn't need anything. Yeah, they could use developmental tackle, and you saw that mocked, or maybe a running back if Jay is not going to be around. People kept talking about linebacker. I didn't see the need for that at all. They have a lot of corners on the roster. I didn't see a massive need there. So they go and get a second tight end after losing Trey Burton. And they play a ton of double tight end sets. And I think he's the best tight end in the draft. You steal him off Dallas, that's a bonus round. A little bonus prize. But he's a really good player. And I think he could be as good as Ertz at some point. I think he's going to get bigger and stronger. I think he'll be a better blocker. I think he'll be really good in the red zone. I mean, you're throwing red zones to Alshon, Ertz, and Goddard. With Wentz uncorking it. I mean... That's some size. That's some go up and get it. I think he can run after the catch. He's a very good tight end prospect, especially get him with the 49th pick. And I think he's going to see a lot of snaps early. Um, The rest of this draft, I I don't have a lot to really say about it. I mean, I watched a lot of Maddox at Pitt. Pitt. Feisty corner, fourth rounder, he'll be in the mix. Maybe he's their slot guy. Their slot corner situation's a little up in the air after losing Robinson. Um, They have a lot of corners. But, okay, that's fine. Josh Sweat in the fourth round. I'm not exactly sure why he went so late. I think it was medical-related. But he's a highly talented edge-bender 4-3 DN that fits exactly what the Eagles do. And if it takes him a year or so, so be it. You know, I mean, that, that, that's not a problem for me. To get Sweat in the fourth round, 130th? That one doesn't add up, and I have not heard a great answer why he fell that low. And I can see him being developed slowly there and eventually being a major contributor on a great 4-3 type defensive line. Uh, Matt Pryor is a developmental tackle. We talked about, yay, we can use one, but six-round developmental tackles. I mean, the chances of them working out are slim and none, but he probably, you know, if he translates as your third guy, great, fine. And then Jordan Miletta is unbelievably interesting. And he's the... Like six, eight 350-pound rugby guy. He's never played football. And they're calling him an offensive tackle. Fine. I mean, go watch his YouTube highlights. It's crazy. I mean, he's like hundred, 120 pounds heavier than everybody else running, the, rug, running the, the rugby ball. Like a stud. Like a stallion. Like a monster. And will he ever be a good football player? I have no idea. But to me... And this apparently is not what they're thinking. They're thinking he's a 350-pound tackle. What I would do with them is I would either, or both, the thing is with tackle and offensive line, it's very technique-oriented, you know, hand placement. I'm not saying this guy's smart, dumb. I have no clue. But you have to be very technically aware of, I'm passing this guy off on this stunt and this blitz is coming. That's a tough position to say, you, you've never played the game. I don't even know if you've watched it on TV. You're going to be an offensive tackle? You know, like, just mentally and technique-wise, that doesn't add up to me. But how about as a big movement tight end? How about handing him the ball? I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but watch him run on YouTube. Especially in short yardage. I mean, I know he's 680, super high. But can he catch it all? My hunch is he can, kind of. I mean, can you throw him something to flat? Can you move him around as a tight end? A downhill fullback just blowing people up at the goal line? I want him on offense on the goal line. Or, or, and or, how about just as an interior rusher slash kick blocker on field goals, which seems as obvious as could be. But I think you put him on defense, especially with the way they develop talent. I mean, will he ever see the field over, you know, their hoist of guys? Oh, by the way, Timmy Jernigan's out like four months. That stinks. But I just think you have a better chance of not having a football background with immense ability to turn into a defensive tackle, than you do an offensive lineman, let alone an offensive tackle. I mean, just go get him. You know, just explode off the ball, rag throws guy away, and go get the ball. I mean, to me, that would be an easier transition. Or, like I said on offense, hand him the ball, have him move around a lot. Last team to talk about Washington. Uh, everyone in the world had Vita Vea penciled in at the 13th pick for the Redskins. Um, he went to pick four to Tampa. We talked about that. They quote settle for Daron Payne. I don't know who they like better. I still I do believe Vea uh, is somebody they did like better. But Payne's a very good prospect. They absolutely had to get better with their run defense. Has been really poor the last couple of years, and need to get better up the middle of their defense. I think Payne provides that. I also think he teams with last year's Bama defensive tackle Allen to give them a pretty darn good pass rush. I mean these guys had a lot of sacks last year. Kerrigan and that edge group is already really good. I think Allen, I'm not sure if I've told you this, I think Jonathan Allen's going to be a superstar. I mean, he's going to be a great player. And Payne may not be the pass rushers those guys are, but if he's your, quote, worst pass rusher on throwing downs, and he's really talented and and can stop the run, and, you know, I I like his pick. I I, I think this is fine. You know, I don't think it's a consolation prize for Vita Vea. There he is, guys he fell for character issues or whatever. I had heard a month or so ago that he was hard to deal with and people didn't like him all that much, but not like drugs or violent crimes or crimes against women. I mean, anything like that from what I understand, although it's still been sort of mysterious and it doesn't help that he doesn't really have a receiving background Although, I think he's a good enough athlete. They just didn't throw him ball. It doesn't mean he can't catch or be useful that way. And they have Chris Thompson, who's hurt a lot. But I think Geis is going to put up a lot of yardage in Washington. And, you know, like, get him on your fantasy team. Get him on your dynasty team. I think he's a great back and fits this mold really well. We'll, Will catch his share of dump-off passes. Going to run the rock, control the clock. He's a heck of a player. Um, they took another developmental offensive lineman, Jerron Christian. They call him a tackle. I wonder if he'll be a guard though, just because their tackles are pretty well set. Uh, Troy Apke is a, with the fourth round is a safety tested off the charts. I mean, was a phenomenal tester. Remember his dad went to Pitt and he's from around here. I think he's more athlete track star than he is football player though but they do need deep help. I would think he's kind of a free safety type. Their secondary still worries me, and that includes Josh Gordon. I mean, their secondary is a problem, and I think their pass rush has to be great, and I think it will be, but their secondary is concerning. Tim Settle, there was a lot of buzz about him. He's their fifth-round pick, defensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. He really tested poorly. He looks very top-heavy to me. He's a big bully type in the middle. Okay, you know, you, it goes back to addressing getting big and strong in the middle of your defense, but I'm not real excited about him. Um, Sean Dion Hamilton's an interesting guy from Alabama, and if he stays healthy, I mean, he's a Bama 4-5 star recruit athlete that just could never stay on the field. That maybe a year from now you're like, who's this guy making all the plays? If, if everything hits right, that's a home run. Um, Greg Stroman from Virginia Tech And Trey Quinn, a wide receiver He was Mr. Irrelevant from SMU Round things out at Positions of need, long shots to make the team Of course, or to contribute So Kind of wishy-washy, I guess, on the Washington draft So-so um, But there you have it Alright everyone, have a great weekend, see you.